online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. You're listening to the business of food with Asma Khan. This podcast is brought to you by Distill Ventures. At Distill Ventures, we're always on the hunt for the next great drinks idea. We believe that true brand innovation comes from those who are often overlooked. And with our pre-accelerator, we aim to find those founders. With our pre-accelerator, we're searching for founders from underrepresented communities who need the funding and support to kickstart their vision. To apply to Distill Ventures pre-accelerator or to begin your journey in creating a new drinks idea, head to www.distillventures.com now. I think there was definitely a moment and I think I kind of came into the business world quite naively. I thought, you know, I can do this on my own. It's fine. I haven't got any experience. I'm just going to go for it. Quite quickly, you realize that you are in the minority and there are a lot of voices that will, will try and drown you out. And so you just have to kind of hold firm. Not just being a female founder, but being a solo female founder could be an incredibly yeah. lonely place sometimes. Well, today I'm very, very excited to interview a rarity, uh, a woman who has actually founded a drinks business. Uh, it's alcohol, but not alcohol as you know it. It's very interesting. I'm looking forward to introducing you to Ellie and her product is called Colonio. It's best if she actually describes what it is because it is something very unusual. Good, Hello and welcome to my show. Thank you for having me. Thanks very much for having me. So yeah, just to introduce Colonio, I guess we have created a range of distilled non-alcoholic spirits very much inspired by the spirit of Colombia, where um, I've taken a lot of inspiration. And our mission is to bring joy to not drinking by sort of capturing the flavor, the rhythms and the color of of my heartland. So we've we've created two two products, um, both intended to be drunk like spirits, except they won't get you drunk. They're non-alcoholic and you're able to mix them with things like tonic, ginger ale or use them in a cocktail. Okay, great. It is, uh, you know, very interesting to see something like this in the market because I don't drink alcohol at all. And I've, you know, I've always had like really terrible options whenever I went out. But things are slowly changing. And I think that, you know, people like you and your product is this kind of pioneering change where it's an adult grown up drink, not something sickly, sweet, syrupy, that is given to you because you don't drink alcohol. Uh, so, I mean, I, I know I've seen the bottles, very, very beautiful, very vibrant. I know uh, some of the backstory as well to this, but I wanted to ask you that, you know, it is not easy. I know as a female founder, you know, in an overcrowded market, you know, yes, there are people also uh, with a lot more money, I suppose, than you had when you were starting coming in with, you know, non-alcoholic drinks. So, you know, as this is, you know, the business of food and and drink. And there are people who will be listening to the show and also maybe wanting to come up with, you know, a product like yours or something similar. Tell me how you eventually got your product into the market. Yeah. So I guess the whole journey started with a personal frustration in that I, I couldn't find what I wanted uh, to be drinking. I would, well, I found myself in dry January around five years ago, uh, wanting to still go out, socialize with my friends, but basically being stuck in a corner with a Diet Coke or a glass of water. And it's that was not what I wanted to be drinking. I wanted to kind of complete the challenge and, and be proud of that and, and go through this experience. But I found it incredibly challenging to actually still have a social life 
and uh, and find what I wanted to drink. So that that was quite frustrating, especially coming from the drinks industry, where I knew how innovative and exciting that whole space space was, and and yeah brands in the category who have these amazing stories to tell and and can really engage with consumers and I just didn't feel like that was happening in the alcohol free space at all you know we were just putting up with orange juice diet coke water and not really doing much about it so I'm a big believer in if you can't find what you need then go out and make it yourself and and that's essentially what I did so how did you start who helped you what was the kind of the the kind of very briefly the kind of journey of getting uh this product ready uh, and approved and then of course to market yeah i think first of all i mean a couple of months after having this idea actually in the, the few months leading up to a, a trip back to colombia i spent a lot of time researching the category finding out what was out there and i and i really sort of started to discover that there wasn't much available bar a few kind of non-alcoholic beers that were quite mainstream but also difficult to get hold of availability wasn't great in supermarkets or in bars and restaurants and um, a couple of months later I decided to fly out to Colombia which is where I ended up getting a lot of inspiration for for the brand and, and what the brand ended up, ended up being so I decided to travel to the capital city of Bogota and then to Cali where my family's from and also travel up through the coffee region visit some of the towns and cities there and then up the coast uh, where you've got Cartagena and Santa Marta. And I think there I got a lot of inspiration for what I wanted the brand to be because when I was there, I sort of met a lot of the people who, look, frankly, they don't need alcohol to have a great time. They're very good-natured, fun-loving people and uh, very positive about life. And I think what I found with the alcohol-free category is that we were really lacking that in an, in a big way. People kind of had this stigma around not drinking and I'd often get labeled as boring if I said that I was, you know, if I was out and not drinking. So I took a lot of inspiration from that and also from from their ingredients. You know, Colombia is the second most biodiverse country in the world. Um, it's home to many exotic fruits. And so I started to think about, okay, what do I want to use? I knew, I knew I wanted to distill the product without alcohol. I started to think about the different ingredients I wanted to use. So I went to some fruit markets, discovered uh, Inca berries. They had pineapples, papayas, um, chuas, lots of different tropical fruits. And I just made notes and, and came back to, to the UK and, and started experimenting in my kitchen. Uh, and the whole process took around, I think, a year and a half before, before I was ready to launch. Yeah, I saw this Inca berry and I had to, you know, I'd never heard of the word before. But of course, when I Googled it, I recognized it immediately because, you know, we have something very similar in India. But I, I'm sure it's not native to India. I'm sure that it came, uh, you know, wire uh, the, the coast uh, from from uh, another land. But it is fascinating because, it, you know, it just sounds so incredible, Inca berry. But, uh, you know, I, I can just imagine how wonderful uh, it tastes because... I remember a child having this, you know, slightly sour, slightly sweet. And, you know, the kind of uh, the flavors of this would be incredible. And uh, and you do have two products. So, I mean, and both look very different, uh, you know. And uh, so do you want to just describe what they are? And also, I think maybe it might be good to spell it out for people who are listening to it so that they know what they're looking for. Because I, I think it is available in, in some of the supermarkets, right? 
Yeah, so Caleno, spelled C-A-L-E-N-O, is available in a number of different supermarkets now. So you can get hold of it in Sainsbury's, Ocado, on Amazon, and, and also in Waitrose. So really good availability. And also lots of lots and bars and restaurants are now stocking it. And we've got we've got two different flavors. So we have a, a light spirit called Light and Zesty, which is designed to pair with tonic. Uh, and then we also have dark and spicy, which is a much darker. And zesty is a sort of lively blend of ink berry, pineapple, papaya, coriander seeds, juniper berries, and green cardamom and some lemon peel. So it's a really nice tropical but citrus flavor with some spices as well. Um, and then dark and spicy is a much richer blend of pineapple, coconut, some ginger, black cardamom. Uh, you'll get some notes of vanilla in there and and fresh lime. And that goes really well with ginger ale uh, and a squeeze of fresh lime as well. Or you can pair it with soda water if you want a low calorie drink. Um, but like I said as well, you can you can use both of them to make cocktails as well. And that's what we see in a lot of the bars and restaurants that we sell to. They they create cocktails and they put them on menu. Okay. And would, would it be fair to say that, you know, one could be used as a substitute for gin and the other one for rum? Yeah. A lot of people substitute lime zesty because it pairs with tonic so well. A lot of people substitute it for a gin. And then with uh, dark and spicy, again, the signature pair in drail. So a lot of people switch out rum just because of the tropical flavors. I think there's, there's similarity there. So we definitely see there's an easy way to kind of substitute uh, your alcohol. If you're looking to take a bit more of a balanced approach to drinking, maybe, you know, you're off the drink, you know, maybe you're taking part in dry January or you're just trying to drink a little bit less during the week. They're a great great substitute and there are a lot of us um you know who do actually don't drink at all so i mean i'm quite used to in a restaurant you know if i have a big gathering uh, i would at least expect 15 to 20 percent of those people would not be drinking at all uh and uh it's becoming more and more common because when four years ago it wouldn't happen but we now if you have a, a group table a booking of 12 or 14 we need to be prepared because we would know that they would not be drinking and it's not because of driving you know there's just a there's, there is a shift, you know, especially midweek, where you find fewer and fewer people drinking, but they want something nice. They, they want something exciting and interesting to drink. We do a lot of mocktails because, you know, we, we get asked all the time for something interesting and something new. And so, you know, we, we've got a very young team, but they do it. But yeah, so a product like this is great for so many restauranters as well, because, you know, we're always looking for things that can be exciting and interesting uh, because we now have a big clientele who wants stuff that has got no alcohol in it. Yeah, I think you, you hit the nail on the head when you said that, you know, restaurants are catering more for people. Actually, it's one in one in five people in the UK don't drink at all. Um, and then millions more are moderating. Every year we see more people taking part in dry January, which is one month. But actually, by taking part in that challenge, people re realize that they don't necessarily need alcohol to be part, such a regular part of their drinking habits and, and start to shift habits. So every year we're getting more people abstaining from alcohol or, you know, reassessing their relationship with alcohol and drinking. So there's definitely quite a large consumer demand growing here and restaurants and bars are increasingly catering from that. And if you walk into a supermarket now, you will find an entire uh, bay, an entire you know number of shelves dedicated to non-alcoholic options. It's not just Caleno, which is sits in the non-alcoholic spirits category. You've got alcohol-free beers, ciders, um, aperitifs, 
Yes, there is definitely a, a, a change in in attitude and in in products. So uh, I, I I wasn't. I just wanted to understand how long has this product actually been on the market before I ask you your next question. No, we've been we've been in the market for around three years now. So still a fairly fairly young company, fairly young team. But uh, it's a hugely exciting time to to be in this space in in the food and drink industry. And where did you get the funding from to actually get this product out? So I started um, originally kind of with my own savings, um, and then I applied to just bursaries. Like there's a lot of free support out there if you if you look for it you can get grants and funding to kind of help get to the product i think it's important to get the product to a stage where you're then ready to to pitch from investment rather than going to investors with just an idea and it's all theoretical Um, and then i guess in the lead up to that investment i spent a lot of time uh, visiting pubs and bars and restaurants in Bristol, um, where the company was based, and also London, and just going and speaking to bartenders and asking them what they thought of the flavors and how I could improve them. I think I went and visited around 200 altogether uh, and pitched for it before before launching in 2019, where actually I needed funding because I just agreed uh, to list with Sainsbury's, our first major retailer. They They contacted me just before Christmas and said uh, we'd love you know we love the product we love the taste we want to uh, increase our our non-alcoholic category and uh, we want to put you in 500 stores so you know that that level of stock is is quite large and requires often a lot of investment that's what I did. Okay so interesting because the thing is that I I think it's you know for anyone listening this is really kind of the heart of it that you you invested you know obviously your own money but invested your time in doing the research and actually physically going to places and talking to people. I think that, you know, the kind of real uh, advantage of talking to people, you know, who who deal with your kind of product when it comes out is so important because you learn so much. And I, I always feel sometimes when I see some product, I think that, you know, who did this speak to, you know? Is this something really that, you know, we need? But obviously, you know, you did the right the right thing in the right way, which is, you know, you you had an idea, but you tested it. You mm-hmm. went out, spoke to people, and got it out. So, okay, yes, it's still relatively new, and of course, then the pandemic hit, and how did that affect you? Yeah, the pandemic hit, and it was it was a very interesting time. You know, Feb. If I think back to Feb twenty uh, twenty, and kind of coming up to March twenty twenty. We just agreed a listing with Acado. So we, you know, we were getting all the paperwork ready to go live on their website. We were also starting to launch into bars and restaurants. So whilst the first year had been mainly with, with Sainsbury's and online and trading on Amazon and our own website, we were starting to make some progress getting on on menu in bars and restaurants and some bigger operators. And then, you know, suddenly that came to a massive halt. And um, Ocado froze froze a listing. It didn't actually uh, go ahead, and so we were we were facing a period where you know there was a lot of uncertainty, particularly in a channel we were hoping to grow, growing quite significantly. The entire uh, restaurant trade closed down pretty much within within a week or so of of the announcement, and uh, we we had to rely quite heavily on retail. And online, and, and I guess with with retail and online, we were really unsure whether our logistics system would hold up, whether we would be able to continue producing product and getting it, and and then actually get it out to retailers. So it was a really worrying time. 
And I think for me and, and the team, you know, quite a young team at the time, quite a small team, it was just about kind of reassuring everyone, but also coming up with a few different plans because it was such an uncertain time and no one could predict day to day or week to week what was going to happen. So we just tried to plan as best for it as possible. And I think we were fortunate that we were at the time quite multi-channeled. So we were able to fall back on our on our Sainsbury's listing and be able to get product out to, out to them. Although there was a time where the beer, wine, spirits aisles did did run dry <laughs> because there was of course a lot of panic buying and we were able to uh, get stock into Amazon which again was a big big customer of ours although it was challenging because they were under a lot of pressure and uh, you know the demand for those channels were, go- were going up significantly so it was it was an incredibly challenging time but we managed to get through it yeah I mean I can imagine you know I mean it was a time of incredible insecurity and you know, there was nothing in our memories or even of an older generation or something like this. So, you know, and if you were kind of dependent on, you know, I, I'm a restauranter, so it was an absolute nightmare for us. But anyone else, you know, looking at hospitality or wanting to sell through hospitality, we didn't even know what was going to happen. And the idea that it was going to go on for so long was just something that hadn't occurred to at least me and a lot of my friends who are in hospitality we thought this is just going to happen a short term and then we'll all be back to normal. We're still not back yeah. to normal. So, you know, it was it was just such a crazy kind of uncertain time. But yeah, well done for kind of sailing through that somehow or the other and getting through to where you are now. Uh, so what happens next? What is your plan with the brand? Where are you taking it? What are you going to do next? Well, I, I think I think one one kind of observation we've had, you know, over the last 12 to 18 months was that actually whilst the kind of the pandemic was created a lot of pressure around the business and, and a lot of uncertainty, it did in fact um, accelerate uh, the, the category in that people really have started to focus on a lot more on their health and well-being. And I think the pandemic kind of forced everyone to think about their own health. And so what we saw, uh, what we've seen is kind of in, in the beginning, people uh, focusing a little bit more on drinking alcohol and then as we moved through the pandemic and, and we've come out the other side people have really focused a lot more on their on their health and wellness and that that translated into sales so really kind of gr- like focused on growing with the category um, we of course want to get back into hospitality and we've spent the last six to seven months doing that when hospitality opened back up whether they would be receptive to uh, non-alcoholic drinks because at a time where they're trying to rationalize menus, simplify their businesses to make you know the operational side of it and running it a lot easier. But actually we've seen um, a lot of operators kind of proactively come to us and say, no, we want to we want to put more non-alcoholic options on menu. We want to put Kalenu on there, offer people more more cocktails. So we really would like to grow grow within hospitality we're expanding in into new retailers we launched in Waitrose a few months ago so that was really exciting Um, and we want to actually deliver on our mission which is showing people you can have a great time without drinking and I'm I'm a big believer in that you've got to actually show you you can tell people but without them actually experiencing it it's very difficult so we want to create experiences where you know we can actually show people that you can have a great time we've we've thrown some 
some parties and events recently where, you know, we've got live band, uh, you know, South American dancers. We work quite closely with uh, a Latin boutique studio called Downs and they have some incredible, incredible dancers. And we've put on uh, experiences with them, invited people along to drink alcohol-free cocktails in the evening, come along, dance, have fun, socialize, meet new people. And I think we're really focused on creating more of that to show people that you know you don't need alcohol to have a great night. Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. You're listening to The Business of Food with Asma Khan, brought to you by Distill Ventures. To apply to Distill Ventures Pre-Accelerator or to begin your journey in creating a new drinks idea, head to www.distillventures.com now. The thing is that, you know, you, you've mentioned the Latin studio and the, and the dance and, and, you know, of course, you know, the beginning of the program you're talking about, you know, your journey to Colombia. So, I mean, what is your connections, with the Latin roots and the Latin Latino kind of vibe to this whole thing? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's always fascinating for me as someone, you know, who is uh, not born in this country. Uh, you know, I, I grew up, you know, in India, so it's very different, but, you know, how important was your roots? Because you went back to your family and obviously reconnected with your roots uh, when you went back. So I, I wanted to know the kind of, you, you mentioned the inspiration uh, being mm. from Colombia, but I mean, so what is the connection? How how has that helped you? Yeah, so I, I guess it's fair to say, you know, Kalenya is born out of a, that kind of Colombian heritage. Um, my mum is from there and she would take me and my sisters over there for maybe two, three months at a time. And so we kind of grew up around that family and, and culture and it was a very, it was a very happy, happy place to be. And, and I would grow up around kind of big family parties where we'd invite everyone over, we'd turn the music up. Uh, you know, Colombians love to dance. And so that was that was kind of my my way of life and 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 my way of kind of growing up and and also I suppose when I would go over to to Colombia my grandma would make these most amazing uh, juices from lots of different tropical fruits and because they have an abundance of, of different tropical fruits over there they're so much better than the ones you can get in the UK so I would spend um I would spend a lot of the time in in the kitchen when I was younger trying to recreate these and and give them to my sisters to try. So I think I've always liked I've always liked creating things, um, and it just seemed natural to me when I was creating and, and working on Kalenya and working on this brand to actually bring my own experiences and and my way of of seeing the world into this. Um, and so going back there was just reliving all of that as an adult because. I would go there for for many months at a time when I was younger, but actually the the first time I went was kind of in my mid to late twenties. I hadn't been back for a decade. So it was really just reconnecting with with that culture that I that I experienced and had such a happy experience with in my childhood. Yeah, it, I, I love the label of the of the bottles and I, I think it's like, you know, and both of them, you know, very, very striking and uh, you know, obviously, you know, inspired by by your background and and who you are so it, it really kind of it does stand out which is great because I'm sure that that is kind of it does also help with the sales because you you do you would notice a bottle like that uh, very nicely designed and uh, it does stand out 
which is which is great yeah. but are you are you planning now to kind of stick to these top products are you working on another thing another product uh, yeah we're we're always keeping an eye on innovation and what's happening and and focused on consumer first so i personally spend a lot of time just ringing our customers and talking to them and and hearing what they like about the products what they don't like if they would change anything and that helps guide helps guide our innovation and looking at kind of future trends so at the moment we have they have the two a dark and spicy we launched a little bit later we we launched that a year or so after after light and zesty so we are focused on growing the two in the market, but I think we're also looking at innovation in terms of different product uh, format. So we've recently looked at RTD ready to drink cans because we can actually access slightly different occasions with ready to drink, particularly in summer, you know, when people are on the go, um, maybe they're going to a picnic with family and friends or they're out and about and they don't, you know, they can't bring a glass bottle with them and mixes. It's quite complicated. So actually having a, a ready to drink can that you can keep chilled and just open up whenever you want can be quite useful. So we look at innovation in terms of format, but also in terms of flavors as well. I can I can see how, how that would work really well to someone like me, you know, because, you know, the convenience of being able to carry something interesting in a can, which is not, you know, something dead boring that you've been drinking forever. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it is interesting. And hopefully, you know, there will come a time, you know, we'll have a great summer where we can all enjoy and see the back of this terrible pandemic, which has been dragging us back to, you know, it's so tough. But I'm optimistic, you know, and, and the thing is that it does, it is very exciting to talk to a, a young female founder uh, who has done something like this because there are not many like you around. And I yeah. hope that, you know, people people who listen to you, you know, will feel inspired because, you know, I'm also a minority pretty much, you know, uh, not just for my ethnicity, but because of gender uh, as a founder in, in the restaurant industry. And yeah. Has it been challenging for you to be a female founder of a product brand like yours? Yeah, I think there was definitely a moment. And I think I kind of came into the business world quite naively. I thought, you know, I can do this on my own. It's fine. I haven't got any experience. I'm just going to go for it. Quite quickly, you realize that you are in the minority and there are a lot of voices that will will try and drown you out and so you just have to kind of hold firm not just being a female founder but being a solo female founder could be an incredibly lonely place sometimes because you know I see I quickly started to meet other businesses and they had co-founders or sometimes two or three founders in the business and someone looking after operations someone doing finance and someone doing the marketing I thought my God, I'm doing all of those things. I'm I'm tired, I'm stressed out and there's so much to learn. It was a massive, massive learning curve. And I think I got through it. I had great uh, support network around me in terms of family and friends who were all really supporting what I was doing and and sometimes helping out. One of my sisters actually works in the business and she's been with the business for the last two and a half years. Um, But I would be lying if I say it was easy. Uh, definitely but it is it is possible um and there were definitely challenges along the way and and setbacks i would see being in a you know a female founder in a predominantly male-led uh founded category i definitely found that some people wouldn't take you as seriously as perhaps you'd want to be taken so i think 
in the end you just have to prove to them that that you are great at what you do um, and there's no better way of doing that than going out and and making a success of it and I definitely found before starting a business I, I just wanted to get into the world of, of, of brands and, and creating brands and and growing them and I I would often get setbacks because I wasn't you know technically experienced enough I hadn't done it before and I think there's no better way than going out and proving people wrong. No, sure. Absolutely. I mean, I, I know actually being a sole female founder is debilitating. I mean, I've been through this. I also don't have a co-founder. But I mean, I'm, I also wanted to ask you one thing. Did you find your age was also an issue? Because I've heard this from other sole female founders, that if you're very young and, you know, uh, and you, you have the people have a perception that you're young, who you come across as, as someone who's young, and that can also holds you back because people think, oh, you know, she doesn't know what she's doing. And this is so hard because I, I know with a very close friend of mine that she went through that as well and has, you know, completely come out with a smashing product. But did you also feel together with being so female founder, your age was also an issue? Yes, definitely. I think that combined with being a, a solo female founder was definitely something I got asked, like, you know, what what business experience have you got? And it came, it will always come down to experience. You know, people are very reluctant to actually give you an opportunity to prove yourself when in fact females are incredibly capable often it's it's a confidence thing and it's a you know the ability to kind of just go out and do it and I think once you can get that um you can really make a go of it I think as well I I took the approach where actually I turned it on its head because because I was younger and because I was female I looked at the category and I thought hmm you know, this category is predominantly, uh, particularly in spirits, in the non-alcoholic spirits category, it's pre- predominantly shopped and consumed by females. And most of them are in the kind of mid-20s to mid-30s bracket, not not exclusively. Um, but I was able to relate to my consumer, which put me at an advantage versus my competitive set. So I think it's really important to reframe your position. And that's, that's what I've done. I've kind of gone, I could see this as a disadvantage or people can say, well, you know, you're not experienced enough or you haven't done this and try and uh, set you back. But actually I saw it as an advantage and saw, well, actually I am young and I am female, but that means I can relate to people in my category and therefore I can create a better product um, and resonate better with, with the audience. No, I mean, absolutely. I can, I can see how well that would work. And, and that is a very smart way to deal with uh, the perceived disadvantage that people will put you at. So much of, you know, a uh, you know, lot of women who come into to hospitality as well talk about the fact that they feel marginalized or feel othered. And, you know, the whole point is that you don't let them do that to you. You know, you've got to actually reclaim your space. And you clearly did that with huge success. And I'm, I, you know, really excited because I think that, you know, what your product has has brought to the table, I hope it inspires other, you know, founders, female or otherwise, to to actually be brave, you know, be be brave and and if you believe and you have the passion, clearly as you do, that you can be very successful. And I wanted to end by asking you, you know, what advice would you give someone who wants to come up with a new product or a new idea in not just in the drinks, but in, in the food and drinks business, you know, Hmm. tell me the one thing that, you know, you would tell them, this is, this is the core of what you have to have before you, you know, you move on. Yeah, it's a good question. I do get asked this um, a lot. And I think 
There's there's a couple of things. I think number one, find something you're passionate about, whether it's you know a hobby that you turn into a business or something you feel really strongly and passionate about. Because there will be there will be tough times. There'll be times that you just want to give up and, and pack it all in. And unless it's something that you really care about and really feel strongly about, then it, it can be difficult. And what else would I say? I mean, you've you've got to work hard and, and you've got to believe in what you're what you're doing. But stay positive. I think <laughs> entrepreneurs they're always, in my experience, they're always inherently positive. And you have to be, you have to believe that it's going to work out. Otherwise you would, you know, all of the setbacks, um, all of the obstacles that come your way and they will come your way, um, will, will end up being too much. So just stay positive. Of course, you've got to, you've got to be realistic, but just stay positive and believe in what you're doing and you will find, find your way along that path. Very good advice. And it's been a real pleasure speaking to Ellie. And uh, for those who haven't tried her product, go find it. It's quite easy. She's mentioned all the places where you can find it. And uh, I wish you all the best. And, and and I'm looking forward to your new kind of, when you progress on to getting cans and, you know, we're just all going through this kind of time of insecurity, but this will end too. And good times will be here. And uh, thank you so much for your time. And it's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for having me. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. You're listening to The Business of Food with Asma Khan, brought to you by Distill Ventures. To apply to Distill Ventures Pre-Accelerator or to begin your journey in creating a new drinks idea, head to www.distillventures.com now.